0: Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to day five of our look through Matthew chapter two. We're learning together about how we obey God, learning from Joseph. How do you obey? You obey immediately and consistently and sacrificially, we've seen. And today, two more ways. You obey courageously and you obey wisely. And what does it mean to obey in those kinds of ways? To obey courageously, that means you take a risk. You take a risk. In verses 19 to 21, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. Here is Joseph, Joseph and Mary and Jesus, they're just getting settled in Egypt and now he's told to go back to Israel. But Israel is where the danger had been. And I know he's getting assurance from God that there's no danger there anymore, but if you've been a Christian for any time, you know that sometimes, even with that assurance from God, you still have worries as a parent. You still struggle with fears. This was a risk. And because he trusted God, he took God at his word and he obeyed. He took the risk to go back, even though he must have had fears. Psalm 56.3 says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. What I like about that verse is the word when at the beginning, not if I am afraid, when I am afraid. We want a life with no fears. There's no such thing. Life is filled with fears. And this last week, as you looked at your life, you might be willing to admit it, not admit it, but your life was filled with potential fears, big fears and little fears, fears about the future, about your job, whether you'd be able to pull out of this, fears about what people think of you, even how you look. You have all these kinds of fears in life. Now, when you think about your fears in life, they may be different than somebody else's. But the truth is, even though we're all unique with our fears, we all face them. There is no such thing as a no potential fear life. So I have to choose. Am I gonna allow those fears, those worries, those anxieties to control my life? Or am I gonna choose to trust Him? Only those who are controlled by their fears know the prison that can happen when you're controlled by those fears. And only those who trust God in spite of those fears know the freedom that comes when you trust him. A few years back, I had to have a heart procedure. I had to have a stent put into my my heart. I felt fine, everything was fine, but I had a little bit of pain and I went in and the doctor said, oh, you've got an artery that's 99% blocked. You're like a ticking time bomb ready to go off. I can't believe you walked in, he said. I had no idea. I felt fine, but he did an angiogram of my heart and because he did that angiogram, that test, it let me know there was something wrong. They were able to treat it and get me right. So let's do an angiogram of your spiritual heart because I found when it comes to our fears, we found a lot of ways to lie to ourselves, to get around them, to not face them, to stay away from those things that would cause us to have fears. So it's just a one question test. How long has it been? since you've taken a risk because of your faith? The risk to love someone, the risk to give, the risk to move out of your comfort zone, the risk to worship God in a way that you haven't worshiped him before, the risk to trust God in a way that you haven't trusted him before, the risk to obey God in a way that he's been asking you to obey for a long time, but you haven't been willing to take that risk. How long has it been since you've taken a risk Because of your faith. Now, I'm talking here about faith risks. There are really three kinds of risks in life as I think about it. There are crazy risks, there are calculated risks, and there are Christ-like risks or faith risks. Crazy risks are just when you're tired of life and you want to just risk anything. It's like throwing the dice. I'm going to quit my job and go start a new business. We're moving across the country. You're desperate, so you take a crazy risk. That's not what I'm talking about. Then there's the calculated risk. You figure it out. You work it around. You think, okay, I, I can do this. It has the potential to do this. It might not work out, but there's a 56.73982% chance that this is going to work out. You've got it all calculated. And I think it is good to count the cost. The Bible tells us to count the cost. But I'm talking not just about human logic here. It's not just about human logic. I'm talking about a faith risk. I'm talking about a Christ-like risk. And when you think of a Christ-like risk, what's the greatest risk that he took? He took the risk to serve. He took the risk to be born in Bethlehem, to give his life for us in teaching and in ministry, and then to give his life for us on a cross. Jesus took the risk to serve, trusting that our hearts would be drawn to him. Now, as God, he knew what would happen. So I I know he, he did have some things that you and I don't have. But that's why it's a risk for us. You see, when I talk about risk, many times people think about, how can I take a risk to make more money? And maybe sometimes you need to do that. Or how can I take a risk to become more popular? And maybe sometimes you need to do that. That's God's direction in your life. As long as it doesn't bring pride and it's God's direction, it can be a good thing. But that's not the greatest risk. The greatest risk is to take the risk to serve, to give of yourself to other people, to love someone else, to serve someone else. So where can you take a Christ-like risk? When's the last time you took a risk because of your faith? He you didn't do it just for you, You did it for someone else. Faith means you take a risk. Obedience means you take a risk. And then there's a fifth thing that we learn from Joseph about how to obey God. Fifth thing you learn is, I'd say it this way, you use your brain when you obey God. He obeyed wisely, you use your brain the brain that God gave you. In verse 22 to 23, when Joseph heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. So Joseph is obeying God, but I want you to notice, he'd heard from this angel, but he's also looking at the political situation in Jerusalem. He has this fear, this fear of going back where Archelaus is reigning in Judea. That's where Jerusalem is. He doesn't want to go there. Where Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, he doesn't want to go near Bethlehem, which is right next to Jerusalem. And in praying about that, God says to him, you're right, don't go there. I need you to go, I need you to go to Galilee. And that's exactly where he was supposed to be. This is a reminder to me that obedience isn't some mindless action. Even for Joseph and Mary, who are hearing from angels what to do, their mind is still engaged. Some people think that obedience is you disengage your mind to engage your faith, and there's nothing further from the truth. Obedience takes your mind, your will, your emotions. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. So how do you and I think through what God wants us to do? How do we engage our mind? Joseph had an angel appear. He seemed to have conversations in his mind and with this angel even. How do we get to this place of understanding God's will? Well, we might not have an angel, but we have God's word. We have the Bible. You want to live the excitement and freedom of this life of obedience? You have to hear from God. You can't do it without hearing from God. And how do you hear from God? You hear from God through his word. Some people see God's word as just a list of instructions, mindless action. But I see it instead as a conversation with a father who loves me. As God talking to me, telling me, here's how to live life. Here's what to do. Here's my advice for this circumstance. Here's what you do in this circumstance. And when you get afraid, here's what to do. When you feel insecure, here's what to do. As you read, you might pray a prayer like Psalm 119.34. And the message paraphrase, it says, give me insight So that I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long, obedient response. That's worship. Your whole life, one long, obedient response to him. That's obedience. That's combining the two things we've talked about these two weeks. Worship and obedience together. And our example in this is Joseph. But our example in this is also Jesus. Because he was obedient to God's will. He gave his life for you. He gave his all for you. He followed the Father's instruction. Now, when you and I look at the cross, we don't see torture. We don't even see primarily death. We see love. We see God. We see obedience. So what's your response going to be? Second John 1.6 says, love one another. There's a place to start. Who can you pray for right now? That's obedience. Who can you forgive after so many years? That's obedience. What small kindness can you do for someone this week? That's obedience. Let's take some time to pray together. Our Father, help us to learn from Joseph. Let the story of his life become the story of our lives. This kind of obedience, do it now. Keep on trusting. Let it go. Take a risk. Use in our brains to obey Lord immediately and consistently and sacrificially. We want to obey in that kind of way. We want to be those kind of people. To obey courageously to obey you wisely. We want to be that kind of man, that kind of woman. So we ask that you would strengthen us to do this. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, next week, next week we're going to change up on things a little bit. We are beginning our transform campaign at Saddleback Church. For the next seven weeks, we're going to be in that campaign for drive time devotions, talking about your spiritual health. We're going to be reading The devotion, so you can listen to them rather than read them. Some of you would rather listen than read. So you can hear them on drive-time devotions as you're on your way to work or wherever else. I wanted to start Matthew at the beginning of the year. So we did the first two chapters. Next seven weeks, we'll do the transform campaign. Then at the end of that, we'll get back to Matthew with Matthew chapter three. So I am glad you've joined us for the beginning of Matthew. I'm glad you're going to be part of joining us for the transform campaign. Whether you're at Saddleback or not, I know you'll benefit from those devotions. And I'm glad you'll be with us as we get back to Matthew in uh, seven, eight weeks. Thanks for being a part of Drive Time Devotions.